Welcome back. I'm Steve Jackson, and this is Take It to God. Uh, my last episode, uh, we had a little bit of fun. Um, I took some of the sound clips from the movie message that I had done just prior and uh, did some interesting stuff that I kind of thought tied into the concept of casting lots and the randomness and how Yahweh can can make a story out of things that are just put together um, and how awesome that is to see uh, new things created because of that. And in that last episode, I had mentioned that I wanted to discuss in this episode a little bit about how the relationships we have here on earth are just a representation of the fullness of the relationship that we have here with Yahweh. Now, for the most part, I'm going to use generalizations of these different relationships and how normally we would interpret them. Obviously, there's exceptions to those rules, but I'm going to stick to the generalizations to show how Yahweh fits into so many different aspects and why when we see these relationships work out, that we're actually seeing him and how he wants to interact with us. Um, so first, I'm going to talk about mothers. Generally, when we talk about mothers, we talk about kindness and gentleness. And uh, we see that in, let's say, Romans 2, verse 4. Now I'm going to start at Romans 2, 2 and work my way through. And we know that the judgment of Elohim is according to truth against those who practice such wrongs. And do you think, O man, you who judge those practicing such wrongs and doing the same, that you shall escape the judgment of Elohim? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of Elohim leads you to repentance? So in that, we see a level of kindness. I think that's one of the, the greatest verses is that, do you not understand that it's the kindness of Yahweh that draws you into repentance? It's that mothering figure. And also we see that in Hosea 6.6. 6. And this is a standard verse that most of you, I'm sure, probably know. And it's, for I delight in kindness and not in slaughtering, and in the knowledge of Elohim more than burnt offerings. So it's, again, that love, that kindness, that gentleness that Yahweh desires from us. He desires our heart. He doesn't want us to do sacrifices and offerings. It's more about the heart and the reasons why we do the things we do. And Yeshua talks about that. Actually, he references that verse in Matthew 9, 12 through 13, when he says, Those who are strong have no need for a physician, but those who are weak. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not offering. For I did not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. And now those are just verses that most people would know in general, but throughout the scriptures you see the concept of his kindness and gentleness and his lovingness towards his people, very much like a mother would with her own children. Now let's look at fathers. Um, we tend to associate fathers more with discipline and making sure that everything's in order. And pretty much any verse referencing to Israel and their punishment would tie into that concept of a father figure. But this is all in a desire to see them repent, to see them come back into righteousness and holiness. And just a random verse that shows that would be Amos 9, 13 through 5. And Amos says, Look, the days are coming, declares Yahweh, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him who sows seed, and the mountain shall drip new wine, and all the hills melt. And I shall turn back the captivity of my people Israel. And they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. And they shall plow vineyards and drink wine from them. And they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. And I shall plant them on their own soil and not uproot them any more from their own soil I have given them, says Yahweh, your Elohim. And so we see that Yahweh is always desiring in his punishment to bring them back into repentance, to bring them back into holiness and righteousness. And that, hopefully, is what a good father would do in the punishment, is to hopefully draw them back, not just to be angry, but to show them the right way and draw them back into what is good. 
We see fathers also as protectors, and we see that throughout the scriptures of Yahweh consistently trying to protect his people, and that draws right back into discipline, a desire to draw them back into repentance. And father is used consistently as a general parent, but Yahweh has characteristics of both male and female. Both male and female were made in his image, and that is why man was not complete without the female. But I think it was less of the fact that the man needed companionship, because if the man just needed companionship, then Yahweh was there. Yahweh was his best friend. Yahweh was the one who was guiding him consistently throughout all of this stuff. So I would say that it was a picture of what Yahweh is as a complete entity of having both male and female aspects to him. So in that, I would always be careful to say that only people who are married have that completeness and wholeness. True, they do make a complete picture of what Yahweh is. And when you two are together, you know, three strands of a rope, being Yahweh, the man, and the woman, are hard to break. But each person has to take that to Yahweh and decide what's best for them. Even Paul or Shaul says, it's better for you to remain single than it is to get married if you can withstand the temptations. So obviously, there's kind of a gray area as to what you should do. So you can't just look at the scripture and go, oh, well, I have to do this. The purpose of it is that you consistently go back to Yahweh and ask him, okay, what do I do? Do I get married? Do I stay single? What is it you have in store for me? And what is the best option for me? That it can only come from communication directly from him. Now, another great example of our relationship with Yahweh is just the basic concept of friendship. And we see Yeshua specifically says that to us when he says in John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all teachings which I hear from my Father I have made known to you. Now that's a deep friendship. That's someone who you really, 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 really trust. That you would give all of that information and all that teaching to this person. That's a very, very close friendship. That is a loving, true companionship. And we see that even more heavily in David and Jonathan's relationship, where even Jonathan loved David more than a woman. I mean, he truly, truly cared for David and was willing to die for David no matter what it took. So that shows a level of intimacy that is far greater than some of the friendships I see we have here in our day and age. And I think this is the cultural way it works. But if you really look at our culture, you see that even in those times where you have a high level of gang activity, let's say, those people are theoretically dying for each other to protect something. That in their mind is a huge connection, but obviously there's something missing because it tends to be more about trying to prove yourself to the gang than it has to do with you just being who you are and them loving you for who you are. That's a huge difference. But you see a desire to be that close, that tight to somebody. And that's because Yahweh has designed us to want that with him. Now, I'm sure probably many of you have never seen the film Flesh and the Devil. It's a silent film that was made in 1926 by MGM, and it was directed by Clarence Brown, and it had Greta Garbo, John Gilbert, and Lars Hansen. And it was based on a play by Herman Shutterman called The Undying Past. The concept of this film was these two friends, Leo and Jurek, were very, very close companions ever since they were young, and they were just undying friends. And there was a woman who came along, Greta Garbo, and Leo fell madly in love with her. But she didn't reveal that she was already married. So they had a few intimate moments, and then her husband walked in, and she had to confess. And so they had a duel, 
And Leo ended up winning. But because he was in the military, they said, we're going to send you to Africa so that you can be far away for about five years so this thing can kind of blow over. But in that, Leo asked his friend Yurik to watch and take care of Felicitas, who was Greta Garbo's character. And while Leo was gone, Yurik fell in love with her and ended up marrying her. But Felicitas didn't tell Yurik that she was in love with Leo as well. So you can already see the, the massive triangle that happened when Leo came back from Africa. So it's this whole long story about how they fight through this whole process. And in the end, and I say this as a spoiler alert in case you don't want to listen, but in the end, the two friends come back together and realize that they've been kind of duped by the devil who was being portrayed as a woman. So it was a very, very interesting story about undying friendship and how much they truly, truly did care for each other and how they have to be very cautious about making sure that nothing gets in between that friendship because it was so strong and so important for them. And of course, you have the basic relationship with Yahweh, with Adam and Noah and Moses and Abraham, and the list goes on of just those tight communications with Yahweh, that they were always working with Yahweh consistently, always talking to him, always asking his opinion. And that's what good friends do. That's what good friends always do. And they talk back and forth. And Yahweh told Adam to go ahead and name the animals. So Yahweh was giving him control over the life here on earth and said, you decide what these animals are called. That's a lot of responsibility if you think about it. And Yahweh trusted Adam enough to do that. That's a tight friendship. Now, another unique relationship that we have with Yahweh is that concept of him being an employer or a work partner, someone that we work with consistently. Um, we see that in Isaiah 59, 16 and Ezekiel 22, 30, when he's consistently asking for intercessors. I want these people to pray. He's given us that responsibility. He's given that control over to us to intercede and ask Yahweh for things and pray for people because he desires to have that communication with us. He's made himself weak in that regard so that we can be a part of his life. He's desired that. And that ties into that whole concept of friendship. But he's consistently asking for people to work. And you see that in Yeshua when he tells the parable of the talents and how the master gives out the talents to the multiple people. And that's in Matthew 25, 14 through 30 where he gives out talents to these four people and each of them do something different with it. Some of them Yahweh's pleased with, some of them he is not. But you see that Yahweh's giving people things to do his work. So he desires to have that working relationship. And it's not just a, here you go do this. He wants to work with us. He wants to communicate with us about the best way of handling it. And you see that in that parable. And there's also kind of a funny one in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 4.12, where Yahweh asked Ezekiel to use human dung to cook these cakes. And Ezekiel's like, I will never do that. That would be totally unclean. I refuse to do that. And Yahweh said, okay, that's fine. You can use cow manure. So Yahweh desires that give and take. Now, he could have said, no, you have to use that. But he wanted to work with Ezekiel, and Ezekiel didn't feel comfortable with doing that. So he said, fine. Here's another option. So you see Yahweh always wanting that communication. Even if we disagree with him, he still wants us to talk to him. And that's the whole point of that relationship, both as a friend and as an employer and a work partner. Now, the last one I want to talk about is the husband-wife relationship. And the reason I saved this for last was because I think it's probably one of the most important ones. Um, in the end, in like Revelations 21, 9 through 10, it talks about the bride of the lamb. And so the intimacy between the husband and the wife is used to depict intimacy with you and Yahweh. And I think that's very important. If true love produces great intimacy in man, just imagine what it's going to be and is with Yahweh. He created us to fulfill a part of him, and we each have a unique relationship with him. 
And so we see that in the man-woman relationship. And there's a reason why Yahweh in the end didn't just use, I, as a father, I'm coming for my child, or as a father, I'm coming for my daughter. He uses, as a groom, I'm coming for my bride. There's a very important reason why. We have to understand that intimacy. Otherwise, we'll probably miss out when he does come because we won't recognize that kind of intimacy because we've pushed it away. So we have to be open to the kind of intimacy that Yahweh wants to show us. And we see that with Paul, Shaul, talking to the Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 22 through 33. And this is the whole wives submit to your husbands and husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and stuff like that. Now, I think the purpose of this verse, in my opinion, is that this is what the fullness of the relationship should look like. And I'm sure Paul, Shaul, is using this as an example of the purity of the relationship. And if both partners were seeking after Yahweh, this would be the example. But it requires that true devotion be to Yahweh because he wants to show you what that example is with the bride, the woman, the church, trusting in Yahweh without any reserve, fully loving Yahweh. And so this is an example of what that relationship looks like in its purity. And we've got to be careful not to be so pious about that verse. True, it is something that we should look to as in a great example, but there's a lot of single people out there who have to survive on their own. So obviously, Shaul is using this as this is what a true relationship looks like, and it's also a picture of what you and Yahweh should look like as the church looking to Yahweh. That's why he ties those things in together. I would highly recommend rereading that chapter and taking it as this is how Paul was trying to relate to the Ephesians about what a perfect relationship looks like, both as a married couple and as a church and God. Now, another great example of this is when Shaul's talking to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 11:2, when he says, For I am jealous for you with a jealousy according to Elohim. For I give you in marriage to one husband to present you as an innocent maiden to Messiah. So once again, that comparison to a husband and wife relationship. And this is my true desire for anybody who's listening is it's not that I want you to listen to me and just go, oh, what he's saying is right or what he's saying is wrong, but I desire you to take it to Yahweh. And in that, I'm allowing Yahweh to teach you the truth. And that's the whole point of this thing. That's the only thing I ever desire is that you make a stronger connection with Yahweh, however that looks in the end. And Shaul kind of says the same thing that I would say to you, and that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 12 through 17, where he talks about some are following Paul, some are following Apollos, some are following Christ. And he's like, the body's not divided. You have to come into one. We serve one Messiah. And that is the whole point. So I'd recommend reading that again. It's 1 Corinthians 1, 12 through 17. Don't be saying I'm Baptist, I'm Lutheran, I'm Catholic. We are all in the body of Messiah. And we have to remember that. Otherwise, the enemy wins because he divides the body. And we talked about that before, where it divides the body thus making it so much weaker. And that's in the movie message. And I think it's in the movie message part two, where we talk about Robin Hood and how when the French came over to attack English, they were hoping that the English would be divided because then they would win. But when they got to the shore, they saw that they had become cohesive and one unit, and that made them so much stronger. If we consistently divide ourselves, we're going to be in big trouble, and then the enemy wins that fight. 
And of course, if we look at the whole book of Song of Solomon, we see not only the intimacy between the man and the woman, but also the intimacy between the church and God. And that is a very intimate depiction of that. I do not believe that Solomon was just referencing to a man and a wife. I really, really believe he was referencing to the church and Yahweh and how that intimacy level is so great. But I feel we tend to downgrade it because that's going outside our comfort zone and our box. But see, Yahweh is so much bigger than the box we like to put him in. And so he refuses to be stuck in that box. He might allow himself to be in that box so that we get to know him better. But if we truly want to know him, we have to move outside of that box with him. It's very, very important. Otherwise, we miss out on so much about him and we never truly see who he is. But if we really, really want to serve him, we have to know all aspects of him. That is part of that time together, and that is the example of what a husband and wife would do. They would get to know all parts of each other, even parts they weren't very comfortable with. They want to get to know it so that they can understand it, and Yahweh wants us to do that with him as well. Now, I have a few side notes that I wanted to pass by you. Um, I find it funny that Adam and Eve, the very first union in marriage, was when things started to fall apart, when Eve decided to go against what Yahweh had commanded. And so I begin to think, do we really want the Defense of Marriage Act if this is what is happening? Now, I understand the concept of DOMA, and I'm going to get into this with much more detail in another couple episodes. Um, But we've really got to be careful. Before people start just getting married, they really need to ask Yahweh, is this what you want? And I'm not saying not to get married, but let's be honest. If we're trying to follow the New Testament, I mean, Shaul's pretty clear. He's like, don't get married unless you don't think you can keep yourself pure. Now, he says this isn't a commandment from Yahweh, that if you want to get married, that's fine. And if you are married, stay married. But he does say, be very cautious about that. But I see so many people just getting married, and then you have almost half of them ending in divorce. So something's wrong with the fundamental concept that I think we have to address. And like I said, I'm going to talk about this more in detail in another couple episodes. But I just found it very, very interesting. The other thing that I found very interesting is when Eve decided to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. From that day forward, it seems like the bride or the church just consistently begin to seek after knowledge and other gods, always leaving and moving away from her husband and guardian. Now, granted, she got Adam involved, but that whole thing that happened was a great picture and foretelling of what was to come in the fact that we have a tendency to go, yeah, yeah, Yahweh, I understand what you're saying, but I need to go after this. This is very important to me. And so we tend to move away from him. And so it's always vital that we come back to him and ask him. And I think that would have changed things if Eve would have said, I want to involve my husband. I want to involve Yahweh in this. And I think that's the problem is the world catches us up and we forget to involve our husband. We forget to involve Yahweh in asking him and being our guardian where Adam could have said, no, you remember what Yahweh said. And that would be Yeshua in the spirit saying, no, you remember what Yahweh said. You stand in that because that is the truth. There is a reason why he asked you to do that. So I think that Adam and Eve is a great picture of how we tend to move away from Yahweh and how easy it is. I mean, these were the first people. They had intimate connections with Yahweh, and she still moved away from him. And so that really shows how deceptive the enemy can be and how important it is to always involve Yahweh with everything we're doing. And then we'll know the truth. It's not that he's not going to have us do things that will be fun and exciting and build our career if we have one or give us great relationships. 
but that we always have to involve him. Without that, then you run into so many problems. And I think this all goes back to that concept of, of marriage and the fact that unless we're truly asking him, is this the person you want me to marry or should I marry at all? If we're not doing that, we're going to get ourselves in big trouble because we're going to allow our emotions to get ahead of us and not ask him, Yahweh, what do you want me to do with this relationship? A very important concept that we all should think about. So to wrap this up, just remember that all of these relationships we talked about, both good and bad parts of them, represent our interactions with Yahweh and how he puts people in our lives so we can understand more about how he works in our lives. Now, the parts of the relationship that involve love and fairness and respect, they all represent God's purity. And the bad part of the relationships represent what happens when we walk away from Yahweh and Yeshua. So, Every time you're involved with some interaction with any relationship that you have, be it an employer, an employee, uh, a parent, a child, a husband, a wife, anything along those lines, whenever you have interactions, consider asking Yahweh, how does this relate to you and I? Is there something you're trying to show me with my relationship with you? Because you will learn so much because that's why Yahweh has these relationships on earth. It's not a necessity that we have them, but it shows us how we should be interacting with him. He gives us these little gems so that we never lose contact with him. We can always see him in everything. And so I think it's very, very important that everything we do, once again, going back to the concept of this podcast, is take it to Yahweh and go, how does this relationship represent who you are to me? And how is it good and how is it bad? So I pray that you take this concept and run with it. And I know you will just be amazed at what Yahweh will show you. In my next episode, I'm going to bring back Nathan. And we're going to have a little bit of an experiment with conversation and dialogue. Now, I have absolutely no idea what this episode is going to be like. Um, we're just going to allow it to flow. And in that, I hope to show you something about a very interesting characteristic of Yahweh that he's been showing me in the last few years. So once again, take it to Yahweh, take it to God, ask his opinion on everything. And we hope to see you next episode.